you like to sweat? Do you enjoy working out? Are you looking for new exercise or fitness ideas? Or are you simply interested in learning more about how to live a healthier lifestyle? If you're looking for information or resources on how to use exercise to improve your quality of life, then All About Fitness is for you. My name is Pete McCall, and I'm a fitness professional who's been educated in training personal trainers since flip phones and portable CD players were popular. I started this podcast to provide a source of reliable information about how to use exercise to help you live your best life possible. Just because we're all getting a little older does not mean we have to give up our favorite sports or recreational activities. The main theme of All About Fitness is to feature the types of exercise that can slow down the biological aging process and to help you learn how to use exercise to be your personal fountain of youth. Welcome to episode 22 of All About Fitness. This episode represents two firsts for me. For one, it was the first guest I interviewed where I did not already have an existing relationship. My guest today, David Delanave, is the owner of the Movement Gym in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which was recognized by Men's Health as one of the top gyms in the country. He has written Off the Floor, a manual about how to be awesome at doing the deadlift, as well as a couple different manuals on how to improve your strength training. I've been a fan of David's for a while, and I've used him as a reference in a couple of articles I've written, but we've never actually met in person or even had a conversation until now. Second, this was the first time I used Skype to report a podcast. I was using a Wi-Fi at a public shared workspace, and there is a little interference towards the end of our conversation. During our talk today, David and I discuss a number of issues related to how we get results from strength training, and cover topics as diverse as his unique method of using biofeedback to get results from strength training, to why we should each be doing something every day that scares us just a little bit. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with David Delanave on this episode of All About Fitness. But first, a couple words from our sponsors, Skills, Active Motion Bar, and Vicor Fitness. Active Motion Bar is the first resistance training bar where 30% of the weight is a moving mass. An Active Motion Bar can help you strengthen your fascia and elastic connective tissue as well as your muscle, which is important for staying injury-free during the aging process. Research has found that exercising with an Active Motion Bar can be up to 170% more effective than using traditional weighted bars. Active Motion Bar, let the resistance move you. www. .activmotionbar.com Vicor Fitness is the maker of the new TerraCore, which is a step, bench, balance trainer, and multifaceted exercise tool combined into one single platform. Go to vicorefitness.com to see the newest piece of equipment that will be taking the fitness industry by storm in 2017. Use the code AAF to save 20% on purchasing a TerraCore of your own. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Vicor Fitness. Better results from better products. Skills is a sponsor of All About Fitness. Skills makes products for all phases of the workout, from warm-up to speed, agility, strength, and most importantly, recovery. No matter what your fitness goal, Skills has a product to meet your need. 
Use code PM30 for a 30% discount on your order. Skills, fitness and performance products. Be ready. www.sklz.com Today on All About Fitness, we're talking with Dave Delanave out of, uh, well, currently transitioning. Where are you transitioning from and where are you heading to? Uh, we are leaving Minnesota, lived in Minneapolis for over, well, for a long time, over a decade, and moving to Philadelphia. Okay. And now one interesting thing about Dave, we were just talking before this, is your background is not directly in fitness, correct? You, what did you work in before you got into fitness? That's correct. I worked in tech for um, probably about about 10 years as well. Um, I did online uh, web development and marketing, uh, built some companies, sold some companies, uh, did all kinds of things in the, the online space. And see, it always interests me when people, it always interests me, Dave, because I think, I think fitness benefits when people come in from other industries, because you're bringing a completely different perspective. If, for people that have worked in the fitness industry for years, you kind of get myopic a little bit on, on what can do, on what happens, but how do you feel your tech background helps you being a coach and, and, and working in the fitness business? Well, no, you're definitely right. It does help in a lot of ways. Um, one of the, the most obvious ones that for me was I came into it with um, several mentalities and several abilities from the tech world. And one of the mentalities was that I wanted to be able to measure things and I wanted to be able to quantify them. And then the ability was uh, to build uh, software. So one of the first things I did when I founded my gym was I basically built a software for tracking all of our client progress so that they could quantify uh, the progress they were making. And uh, I was able to build that from scratch very easily. And that's been a huge, huge asset to, to the members. And, and I want to get into that in one second. And as we do that, this kind of ties into that conversation. But what do you think for traditional health club members and, and people working on their own fitness program, what do you think is a primary mistake? Number one, what's the primary mistake that people make? And number two, what could they be doing better? Well, so that definitely diverges from the, the quantification aspect. And, you know, it would be great. It, that is a mistake that people make in not quantifying their training and not being able to say, this is how, you know, I can show you on paper how I made progress. But honestly, the biggest uh, mistake that people are making when you look in big box gyms is they're not doing enough strength training. Um, and they're doing too much, uh, like cardio endurance stuff with no discernible progress there. So it's the, you know, run or jog one mile on the treadmill every day. And when you do that over and over and over again, it just doesn't have a training effect. Yeah. And I think that's what, um, one of the things I'm trying to drive home with listeners is the fact that we always need to be, we need to have some consistency with how we change our programming. And it doesn't mean that we do a, a completely different routine or do something completely different every day, but that what we try to do is have some variation of how we use our body. And I think that's why I'm, I'm so, um, what I've read about your system and, and how you coach, yeah, cause you use a system called biofeedback, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And what exactly, how, what does that mean? I mean, how do you apply that? So there's two, two parts that we can talk about here. One is that one of the things that I, that I teach is that you have three training metrics, volume, density, and intensity. And basically volume is the uh, weight times the number of repetitions you do it. So if you deadlift a hundred pounds one time, that's a hundred pounds of volume. If you do it 10 times, that's a thousand pounds of volume. Uh, density is how much time it takes you to move that weight. So that 10 rep workout is not the same thing. 
if you do it in one minute or if you do it over the course of 30 minutes. And then intensity reflects like the actual um, resistance on the bar or the degree to which that stresses you. So it could be as a percentage of one rep max or it could be um, absolute poundage. So when you have those three metrics, you can very easily say, hey, this is like, as you were just saying, you want to vary things, but not randomly. You want to do it logically and you can say, okay, now I'm increasing my volume a little bit over time. And then after you've done that, okay, now I'm going to increase the intensity a little bit and so on. And you just kind of keep waving those, uh, those metrics. Um, the biofeedback system basically involves using an objective measure to figure out what you should do every day with your training. So training programs and plans are great but they're based on a very temporal assessment. So you walk in the gym on Monday morning, you know, May or June 1st, and you get assessed and you have a program written for you based on where you're at at that point in time and your goals. And then you do the program. But the problem is if you do a 12 week program that you write on June 1st by August, your body may have changed in myriad ways through life stress, habits, and the training itself, and that program may not even be appropriate anymore. And that's where biofeedback comes in. So we use an objective measure, these range of motion testing to assess, is today a good day to squat? Yes or no? Is today a good day to do pull-ups? Yes or no? And if not, and my program says that I should do pull-ups, can I use biofeedback to find out if I could do chin-ups or if I could do mixed grip, uh, mixed grip chin-ups or something to that effect by changing that stimulus a little bit? And it's been a really, really useful tool, especially for our clients in terms of longevity and not picking up training injuries because that's something that slows a lot of people down and, frankly, turns a lot of people away from training completely. You know, they, they do really well for six months and then they get hurt because they're pushing the wrong thing too hard and then they don't go back to training for three years. Well, that's one of the things that, that really impressed me with your system is that you're, you're quantifying, as you mentioned earlier, you come from tech. So you look at, you need metrics, you need to understand what variables are you applying and how. And so what you're doing is you're quantifying how people feel and move on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is there are going to be some days where you don't get good sleep. There are going to be some days where you're stressed from work or you're stressed from life or you're stressed from a move. <laughs> Not that something yeah. that neither of us know anything about, but you, you're stressed. And they don't realize that the outside stressors affect how your body adapts to the, the stresses of exercise. You know, and they don't, they don't understand that, that it all mixes up and too much stress in the body means you make no gains. So when you, when you bring people into your system, when you bring people into the gym, what's their response? How do they, I mean, how do they adapt to it? I mean, is it, is it something they kind of are a little hesitant on or is it something they buy into as you, as you teach them? You know, not at all. Um, one of the realities too is it's not something that we offer as an option that you can buy into or not. This is just how we do things because we found that it's the most effective, best way to do it. Um, you know, and people come to us for various reasons, but a lot of people come to us because uh, there's no way to say this without bragging, but like we're nationally known now. And we were just in men's health as one of the top gyms in America, um, actually talking about biofeedback. Like we're really good at what we do. And so when people come to us, they are willing to say, okay, maybe I don't know, um, maybe I don't know best and maybe you do. And so let me, you know, guide me. So the biofeedback system is something we teach them day one. Um, they use it from the first day to the last day that they're in the gym. And there's been a ton of people that see the advantage of it. Um, it was one client that I always kind of remember, 
uh, they came in and they had come from a CrossFit background and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of really, really great things about CrossFit. It's like anything when it's applied well, it's great. When it's applied poorly, it's not so great. Um, but they had picked up some injuries, were kind of tired of some aspects of it. So they came over and through the testing discovered that, for example, back squatting was not a good idea. And that was fine for the first X many months. I don't remember four five, six months um, until they decided they wanted to do a powerlifting meet, at which point being able to back, back squat was a really important you know, piece of the puzzle. Lo and behold, back squatting had returned to being one of the things that this person could do simply by utilizing the biofeedback testing system and doing what was best for them up to that point. So, you know, that was a really cool example of how um, biofeedback probably avoided them an injury and still allowed them to do all the things they wanted to do, even when their goals shifted. Well, and that's what, that's what's so intriguing about that because it, people don't understand. It's like their, their mentality is if I need to, if I, if my goal is to squat more, I need to do more and more squats. But what your system allows people to do is you identify that maybe today I'm overstressed or maybe right now I'm overstressed and my squat pattern isn't going to be successful. So you come up with another way to load them. You're still going to stress the tissues. You're still going to provide a stimulus but you're not providing a stimulus they don't need. Is that correct? I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at what the body needs as opposed to what, what the, the individual client thinks they, they need or, or what they want. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, you kind of alluded to it when we were talking about stress, too. Look, there's no prizes for completing your training program exactly as it's written. Nobody's going to come out from the locker room and hand you one of those giant checks and say, congratulations, Pete, you did the training program exactly as it was written today. No, the whole point of the program is that it guides you to uh, reaping the benefits that it's intended to. So sometimes that means adjusting your training. That means that if work stress and a lack of sleep was a little bit much, it's actually probably going to take less of a training stimulus for you to, to hit that, that stress threshold where you're going to get adaptation. Um, same thing with variations. The best thing for you to do for your back squat may actually be to front squat for a little while, or it may be to, to goblet squat, or it may be to work on your um, core strength completely in an isolated fashion so that you can then take that and reintegrate it into your squat squat. It all just depends. And that's where, you know, that's where the coach comes in too, though. And I think everyone should have a coach. I have a coach. Uh, it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. And I was one of the people that was stubborn for a long time thinking like, no, 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 I'm so smart. I can do this myself. And you can, you just can't do it as well as somebody else can, because they have that, um, you get the best of both worlds when you use something like biofeedback with a coach because you can make adjustments um, and really tune into your body. But at the same time, they get to have the mile high view and say, uh, you know, I know what you're capable of. I know what you've been doing in the past. You're capable of more right now. So let's do it and let's see how you react to it. And that's, how'd you select your coach? That's interesting to hear you, you say that because I, I would agree that we always need somebody to give us some objective feedback. And, and that's really what, you know, one of the biggest benefits of using a coach. And how'd you select the, the coach that you're using? Is it local to you in, uh, in the cities in Minneapolis or is it someone that you're working no. with remotely? 
Yeah, I'm actually working with him remotely, um, have been for over a year now. And basically, I selected him in the same way that I suggest anyone select a coach. Find someone who's capable of doing the things that you want to do that you seem to resonate with or you click with. You're like, you know, this person seems like they would be a good fit for me. They're capable of doing uh, what I want to do. And importantly, it's clear that they're capable of helping other people to do those things because it doesn't do any good if they are, you know, this genetic freak that's, that can, you know, do all these things, but they can't lead or coach anyone else to do it. They have to be able to coach too. So look for those qualities and you'll find yourself a great coach. And I think that's a really important distinction because what we've seen the last few years is that there's been, and this has been something that's always happened in commercial fitness is a lot of a lot of clients or a lot of you know people entering fitness for the first time who make the decision I want a trainer they don't go they don't ask the trainer because I personally I haven't been asked much about my education or my qualifications you know you get people you get people that look for a trainer based on their appearance and so I think we have this kind of sometimes a blind leading the blinder in our industry where you have a you have trainer that look good, they look fabulous. They take great selfies. They, they throw up great images online, but they don't really understand the physiology of what's happening to the body, which comes into, you know, the, to turn that into a question, I think a lot of what biofeedback does is, as a coach in your system at your gym, it allows you to focus on the recovery. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, we totally, totally undervalue the, the role that recovery plays in, in our training. And, and, what, and, and so how do, you, how do you apply recovery or what, what do you mean by recovery? And I think because this is, this is kind of a constant theme of what I try to do with the podcast, Dave, is, is I really try to get people to understand that we don't always need to be hammering ourselves into the wall, but that sometimes the best growth occurs when we downshift a little bit. And instead of loading more stress on the body, we allow our body to rest and adapt to the stress they've done. So how do you how do you kind of view recovery and what's your you know kind of what's your philosophy towards using recovery in your programs? So that's a great question. Um, I don't think of recovery as an isolated thing that you do. So for example, um, I don't put a lot of stock in um, like the, the new fancy cryotherapy or um, recovery supplementation or this or that or the other thing. I look at, basically I look at recovery and lifestyle as almost like hand in hand things. So one of the biggest, biggest, biggest things, and if people were to fix that, this, they would be blown away by how much better everything in their life got. It's their sleep. Objectively, most people's sleep is shit. I mean, the numbers on, there's a guy um, that I know, uh, he's a good friend of Rob Wolf's. His name's uh, Dr. Kirk Parsley. He was a former Navy SEAL, uh, was in the teams for many years, and then actually got out of the teams, went to school um, to become a physician, and then came back to the teams as the team doctor. Hmm. Uh, and his big thing that he, that he worked on both in the teams and out is sleep. He's like the sleep guru, sleep guy. He's got a ton of articles. I won't bother rehashing the statistics and stuff that he's so familiar with, but sleep is just such a huge thing. And I try to get people to work on that as much as they possibly can. I prioritize sleep, uh, maybe a little too neurotically sometimes. Cause I'm just like, you know, look, I'm not going to stay out late and I'm, I'm going to crash early. I'm going to go to sleep, uh, you know, before 10 PM and it, I'm going to feel better the next day. Um, I'm also not someone who can operate very well on little sleep. So I kind of have to prioritize it more than someone who, you know, maybe can get five or six hours and, and still feel pretty good. But that stuff takes a toll. 
Um, so really quick things with sleep is just basic sleep hygiene, turning off lights, um, preferably around sunset. Like ideally, if you could not have any artificial light in the home after sunset, that would be ideal. Um, staring into the blue emitting light of a monitor until midnight or 1am is about the worst thing you can do because what it's doing is it's signaling to your body like, Hey man, it's daytime. Like you got to stay up and it throws off all those rhythms. Um, I have heard the saying that after 10, every hour after, or every hour before 10 p.m. is worth two after in terms of sleep. And anecdotally, myself and anyone I've ever talked to that kind of have given them this maxim has noticed the same thing. Going to sleep at nine feels remarkably different, even if the, the total amount of sleep is the same. Uh, than getting going to sleep at 10 or 11 p.m. So that that makes a huge difference. And there's a lot of hormonal reasons for that. Um, when you stay up too late, you get a big dump of cortisol, and that's why you get that second wind after you sort of felt tired in the evening and you wanted to go to sleep and you didn't, and then you get the second wind. Well, you can thank cortisol for that. The problem is that comes at a huge cost. So without even talking about anything else, people could improve their lifestyle, recovery, optimize how they feel, optimize their hormone profile just by tackling the sleep thing. And that's such an important thing. And, and you mentioned, you know, the, the military. And I know um, here I'm in San Diego, and so I've known some people that have worked with uh, with the special forces units. And and one of my training buddies is with uh, the the Marine Special Forces up in uh, Pendleton. And that is, they, those guys have been getting much smarter the last three to five years because they number one they've been operating in a very dangerous environment for the last decade or so. They've so they've had to adjust and they've had to get better at how they train and how they recover. But number two, it, it really has it's been driven home and and. You know, you now have combat units training much differently. And on a different note, I know that um, in the NFL, the Seattle Seahawks and one other team, I forget, are now monitoring their players' sleep because they understand that they're under contract. Those players are athletes under contract to perform, and their job is to perform for 60 minutes on a Sunday. And if you don't sleep on a Thursday, Friday, if you get poor sleep Thursday, Friday, Saturday before the, the game, you're, you're not fulfilling your obligation as an athlete to the team. And so there's been some pushback from the athletes but the ultimate result is getting is getting the benefits, and so now to say, and that's so I'm, I'm glad you hammered on the sleep thing because um, you know, I have two two little kids at home, and, and so sometimes sleep is intermittent depending on what they're. Oh yeah, they're yeah, you don't know what that feels like. And it just, but <laughs> but you just adjust to it, and and there are and and I agree. Anytime I get to sleep before ten, it feels so much better. Um, but you know, sometimes you get the four a.m. crying waking you up, but that's all well and good. Um, so one thing that I want to talk to you before, while we're, we're together is kind of the benefit of this type, this approach and the benefit of strength training for the over 35 crowd because you talked about the hormones and you're absolutely right. One of the Dam, one of the, some of the damage that cortisol can do is catabolize protein for fuel. And so people don't realize that the type of exercise they do, it's not just about building muscles, but it's about the neuroendocrine system, which produces the chemicals that control reactions in our body. So what is, you, I mean, you focus on strength training at the movement at, at your gym, correct? I do. Um, that's our primary focus. Uh, we have, uh, I used to say no cardio machines at all, but yeah. we have two Airdyne bikes now. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, but we just, we focus on strength. That's what we do. Um, for, for cardio, a lot of times we'll even just do, uh, like lift weights, faster style workouts where we'll do some circuit training at much, much lower absolute intensities of load, but we'll keep moving 
moving fast for an extended period of time. Um, you know, the, the, we could do a whole hour just rattling off the benefits of strength training, uh, hormonal profile, um, bone uh, density for, for older folks, brain uh, activity. I mean, the, the list just goes on and on. But I always like stories. I think that people relate to stories uh, a lot better than facts. Um, and as I was mentioning to you before uh, we jumped on the, the call, we're staying at a friend's house because we don't own a home anymore and we haven't moved out to Philadelphia yet. Uh, and this, this friend, this couple, actually, they've been coming to the gym for, I think, over, just over three years now and really like making it a, a part of their lifestyle two, three times a week. They're really consistently in there, gotten a lot stronger and, uh, just generally feel a lot better. They live a fairly active lifestyle. They do a lot of camping and hiking and stuff like that. And despite all that, um, the, 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 woman just had two pulmonary embolisms that could very well have ended her life. Um, for those who are listening and are familiar with that, like most people don't survive a pulmonary embolism. Um, it's, it's very, very scary. And she did. And the doctor basically said, you know, I can't tell you this for a fact, of course, but you are so healthy. All of your markers are so good and so healthy that this probably would have killed a weaker person. And, you know, that kind of thing really puts it into perspective because, admittedly, even as a gym owner, I look at all these people walking in the gym after a long day at work and I'm like, man, like they're really making a sacrifice and a choice to come in here two, three times a week and dedicate, basically dedicate their evening to it. Like, yeah, it's an hour workout, but let's be honest, there's some time in the car, there's some changing time, so on and so forth. It's a couple hours, which, you know, between 5 and 9 p.m., there's not a lot of hours. And that really pays off when you're still standing there um, after experiencing something that could very well have taken your life. So I think that ultimately um, that is the big benefit of strength training. Like, yes, it makes you feel more confident. Yes, it's sort of a microcosm of life that, um, you know, you overcome things in the gym that are difficult and then you overcome things in life and it feels kind of the same thing. But at the end of the day, it just makes you a more resilient, more anti-fragile person. Um, and I think with that, it's worth the investment. And that's one of the things that I, that I love those stories because the, those really ring home. And we're, we're getting at the age. I, I turned 44 this year in, in, you know, in a few weeks. And we're getting to the age where I have friends that are starting to get diagnosed with, you know, stuff, you know, stuff that, that I normally associate with older people. You know, I still don't think of myself in my forties, but because I still sure. act like a 25 year old meathead, but I, you really, you start seeing that, that, exercise is, and one of the themes I'm trying to hit on this podcast is exercise is the best way to control the aging process. And that if somebody in their thirties or forties exercises for no other reasons, it's not for the beach body. It's not for, you know, cause if you're married, you have kids, it's not for that. It's because you no. control the aging process and you control your health. And the people that spend two, three hours a week with you are improving the health. I mean, in essence, what you're doing, Dave, is you're becoming their, you know, you're kind of becoming their primary healthcare provider. I mean, would you agree with that? You know, with that approach? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, that's kind of the long-term vision is to be that frontline, uh, frontline preventative healthcare provider. Um, with a lot of things we do at the gym, we're trending more in that direction. You know, we have physical therapy services to fix things when they go wrong. We have, uh, built-in and a referral network for functional medicine. So if somebody's hormones are out of whack, I just had a client come in last night who has been basically trying to lose fat for two years 
um, couldn't do it, couldn't figure it out. Like diet was in check, exercise was in check. Finally saw the right doctor who said, hey, your estrogen, testosterone, DHEA is all out of whack. We need to get you a little bit of, of hormone help. Boom, two weeks later, down like 14 pounds. I mean, like, like you know, instantaneous almost after you get that stuff right. So, yeah, we absolutely are. Um, and I also want to circle back on the strength training thing very briefly um, because I alluded to it early in the podcast. The thing is, yes, exercise is important, you know, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, stuff like that. But I think the thing that's really important to understand is it's not enough to just do the same thing repeatedly over and over again, the same exact workout with the same weights for 20 years. You hear about that all the time, right? Yeah. Some guy in his 90s that's been doing the same workout for 30 years, um, the same jog around the lake. It's really important that you're stressing your body in new ways all the time, um, and that might be just adding a little tiny bit of weight it might be adding a little bit of volume but it's important that you're constantly getting better um, and that's where the strength training comes into play because those weights you know they always can get heavier you can always put more weight on the bar um, and it's it's one of the best ways to get that non-linear response to counteract all the other stuff that in our daily life is is sort of like tearing our body down you can you can tear the body down with all the the daily stressors of life and you can walk in the gym, do some deadlifts with two, 300 pounds on the bar, and you just like completely erased 24 hours of crap. It's, it's really amazing what the body is capable of. And strength training is sort of like that, that skeleton key to unlocking it. Well, I think in, in strength training, and I think one of the things that people are realizing that, you know, the benefits overall um, is that if nothing else, it makes you feel, you, you feel successful for the day. You could have had a crappy day at work. You could be, you know, a crappy situation at home, but if you come into the gym and you, you now, it means you in the bar and you attract, you, you approach that and that's your, your goal. Your goal is to complete your set and, you know, and that gives you something that you feel you accomplished. And I think one of the things that people don't realize is that strength training, especially when you try different lifts and different movements and use different equipment to go from a barbell to a kettlebell or to go from barbell lifts to using dumbbells or body weight, you're wiring different parts of your brain. Because one of the things that, that I've been meaning to try is your big proponent of it is the Jefferson deadlift where you're using, you know, yeah. one hand and it's just like, okay, one of these days I need to get down and try that because that's a completely different, you're, you're rewiring and, and what people don't realize is that anytime you learn a new exercise, you're re rewiring part of your brain. And that any exercise that kind of stimulates kind of an anabolic or, or hormone response is also going to stimulate new neurotransmitters in the brain, which can actually connect it. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think so many of us that do fitness education, we're kind of like, you know, we stay on top of it because we're always challenging ourselves in new ways. Is that something you point out to, to your members, to people that come train with you? Is that it's not only what you're doing isn't just for your muscles, but it's for your gray matter too. Is that something you point Absolutely. out? Yeah. I can't tell you how many times that gym members come in and after a couple, two, three months, they start telling me about the new things that they've tried or experienced that have come as an indirect result of feeling more capable in the gym. Um, that stuff all just ties together. You know, you, you carry some kettlebells in the gym and next thing you know, you're portaging a canoe. You've never done it before, but you know you're capable of it because you've you've created not only, like you said, the, you know, the neural pathways to be able to do that, but also the, the physical ability to. Well, it's that overall confidence. And, it's that, and one of the coolest things that I think 
that, that just from, from reading about you guys and following you online is that you're creating a sense of community. Because that's the other thing that I think people, once we get into our lifestyle and we get into careers and family, is that we miss that. For those of us that grew up playing sports, I mean, how awesome was it to go to practice? And, and that was your thing for 90 minutes for two hours, was playing sports with your team. And I think in a big way, the, the, the gym environment, you know, working together in a training studio has replaced that. Is that something you try to capture at, at the movement? Is that something you really try to create? purposely it is it is i think it's really i think having like hobbies and interests that you specifically dedicate time to cultivating is really underrated as as you get older um you know it seems like you talk to a lot of people that are like oh you know when i was a kid i was into you know remote control cars or i was into you know horseback riding and and they cultivated that skill and that ability and then as they got older it became work, 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 go home, feed the kids, put the kids to bed, go to sleep, work, you know, the next day. And those hobbies and those skills, and I think it's so important to cultivate things. So, of course, in the gym, you know, we're doing that. We're cultivating skills. We're encouraging people. Uh, we have a huge powerlifting team at the gym, and we're encouraging more and more people to, to try out powerlifting. We have a ton of people who walk in the gym on day one. They have no intention of ever <laughs> getting into a singlet and stepping onto <laughs> the platform and competing <laughs> and yet they do it and you know there's a lot of components to that but one of them is the fact that they've been cultivating that skill and that ability for the past four five six months three months um so you know they 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 had something they could work on two three times a week and and it's just it's so cool to watch it and it's also so important and I think that's and that's the, the final take home message David is that to really because going into a competition is what is a little scary right and so I think sometimes oh, yeah. we do things that scare us a little bit in order to really help provoke or stimulate growth would you agree with that. I totally would. Um, you know, I actually, I've got a blog post on this. I really just need to click, click publish on, but, um, I think that, that fear can be a really important indication that you're doing the right thing. And everyone has to figure out where that fear threshold is for them because I don't, sometimes you shouldn't be doing it. You know, it's, it's dangerous and bad, but a lot of times that fear is just telling you like, Hey, you're, uh, you're doing something you've never done before. And again, I can just fall back to training all the time. I can't tell you how many times I do something outside of training where mentally I fall back to having that weight on the bar and a squat on my back and thinking I can't do this, but actually I know I can because I just did a little bit less than it last week and it went just fine. And I was worried about it then too. And you do it, you know, or I'm out on a run and I don't think I can possibly can continue to keep that pace up for the distance that is intended and yet I just keep one foot in front of the other and I keep doing it and lo and behold I finish it you know and I that translates right over uh, it seems like I can't get by a podcast without talking about this but one of my hobbies is actually skydiving and you know there will be times skydiving where uh, I'm I'm terrified like I do um, I jump with the Lucas Oil demo team and we'll be over an airfield or a crowded beach and we have a little spot of sand or a little spot of tarmac we're supposed to land on and the, the costs are very high to screw that up. And I believe it or not, I, of course, go back to my skydiving training, but I also go back to my lifting. And I think, you know what? There's a lot of times that I didn't think I could squat that barbell, but I know that I can do it because I have the ability. And, you know, I step out of the plane and I do it and it, it, it all ties together. 
And it's funny, it's how long have you been skydiving? Because that's that's on my bucket list. My fear is that once I do it, I'm gonna get that. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna get that adrenaline surge, and I'm gonna want to you know get the like how how long did it take you to get the to become licensed? I mean, how many jumps did you have to do to get your Man, qualification? I shouldn't tell you this. It's the most addicting thing I've ever I'm done. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I am sure. I started. Uh, I think it was six years ago. I okay. started. Um, and it takes about, it took me a summer to get my license, actually. Okay. Um, I dedicated one summer to it, um, did about 25 jumps that first summer, maybe 30. And then ever since then, my pace has just accelerated. I just did my 700 jump oh, wow. um, that's, that's very great. recently. Yeah. Especially um, being in Minnesota, because you, you, you have a very short window for uh, when you can get out, when you can get up and, and, and jump, out of the, jump out of the plane. No, you're absolutely right. It used to be May to October, and now because I've gotten more passionate about it, I travel during the winter and I get some jumps in there. But um, yeah, no, it definitely has. It's it's incredible. I I strongly encourage everyone, even if you're afraid of heights, because trust me, when you get up there, it, being afraid of heights has nothing to do with it. Just do one. You don't have to start doing it as a hobby, but it's definitely a bucket list thing. You got to do it. It's an incredible experience. Uh, I appreciate that. If we want to get more information, because I know you have a, uh, a website do you do remote coaching do you do, do like online coaching or do you have resources that I people do. who want to learn about strength training they can they can I pick do. up from you yeah yeah and actually i'm going to be doing more online coaching as we uh we move out to philadelphia i'm not going to be day-to-day in the gym anymore uh the gym is staying in minneapolis nothing's really changing there other than my presence uh not being physical uh, but i will be doing more online coaching so i'm really easy to find my website is uh delanave.com you can type my name into google david delanave super super easy to find twitter facebook i'm on snapchat now because jen <laughs> my wife convinced me that it's coolest thing ever and i went from being a total hater to being completely obsessed with it and i think it's like the most fun social network there is now see basically um, just on that note real quick based on watching watching her interactions i have done it i just haven't figured it out yet i haven't i need to find a 20 something who can show me how to use it or you know yeah. next time i bump into you guys if i bump into her again say show me how so you're on and i'm gonna put your contact information down in the show notes and and you have a book on deadlifting correct and, and one or two other resources I do. I have a book on deadlifting. It's available um, online or on Amazon. It's called Off the Floor. Um, I've got a free ebook on my website about a, a lot of the misconceptions about training. Um, it's called uh, Everything I've Been Taught is Wrong. Uh, and I, I've got a ton of articles on biofeedback and basically how to make your training smarter and more effective um, on my site. So, yeah, tons of resources out there. And if you don't find the answer to your burning question, I'm very easy to contact. So just shoot me a question. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Dave. I really appreciate it. Um, it was a good conversation, and I look forward to uh, bumping into you and uh, Jen down the line. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Thanks for, so much for having me. There you go. From that interview, you can understand why David Delanave is recognized as an expert in strength training and why his gym, The Movement in Minneapolis, has been rated one of the top gyms in the country by Men's Health. He has a structured system in place that helps his people get results. He gets them thinking not only about what they do in the gym, but about what they do outside the gym. You know, how you fuel, how you sleep, how you hydrate really um, can determine what you, you know, the results that you get. Because I think a lot of us, and, and I've fallen into this trap as well, a lot of us think that if we're going to the gym and cranking as hard as we can, then that's what we need to do. Um, but you have to keep in mind that exercise is a stress on the body. 
it's a physical stress. Whether you're running, you know, lifting weights, doing yoga, you're applying a, a physical stress to the body. You're, you're applying force to the body. That's going to change the cellular function. That's called mechanotransduction. You're going to hear uh, an upcoming guest, Katie Bowman, and I talk about that um, at some depth. But you don't always need to go hard all the time. Sometimes the best workouts you can do are just go for a simple walk or you know, just do some light mobility stretching exercises. But anytime you talk to a good strength coach, anytime you talk to somebody who's an expert in this field, the interesting thing is none of us, nobody ever talks about how hard you train. A lot of us talk about how you recover. Because you know, exercise is only part of the equation. How you fuel, I said this earlier, how you fuel, how you hydrate, how you sleep really determines that. And so if you're not thinking about what you do in the 23 hours outside the gym every day, then you're really not going to get the best results from what you do in the gym. So it's really important that you take a look at your at what you're doing. Um, if you want to you know, do some online coaching with Dave, I'll have his information in the show notes. But it really is you, you want to have a system. You want to have a way to apply exercise in a structured, progressively challenging system I keep using that word, that, but that's what you want. You, the best coaches have systems, and it's a matter of, of adapting that system to your skill level, your fitness level, and what you want to get out of it. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you have any questions or any show guests you'd like to see or hear, I guess here would be more appropriate, uh, any show guests you'd like to hear, please contact me at Pete, Pete at Pete McCall Fitness. That's P-E-T-E at Pete McCall Fitness.com. I am on Instagram, Pete McCall underscore fitness. I'm on Twitter, Pete MC underscore fitness. So I do a lot of blogging. I do a lot of content production, and this is just one aspect of it. I'm really trying to put the information out there so that you understand how you can use exercise to slow down the aging process. Uh, the why isn't as important, but understanding how, because what we know is you know you control how you age. If you don't do anything, then guess what? You're going to age much, much, much quicker. So thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. And I look forward to having you listen in on upcoming episodes of All About Fitness.